time for us to check in with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning. Good morning, Vaughn. Morning, Simi. All right, we're talking forestry sector here. We haven't heard about this in a while. No, I've been collecting recent stories uh, scattered around the province of reduced operations in the forest sector. So some places, sawmills reducing operations. Uh, One that's just cropped up recently, and it's uh, significant partly because of the reasons for it, um, pulp and paper mills either closing or reducing operations. So the one in Crofton curtailing operations later this month indefinitely, uh, sorry, uh, starting in December, indefinitely, 150 unionized workers facing layoffs, and Cornell Pulp and Paper curtailing operations later this month, 160 employees affected. So these mills are still major employers in these communities, partly because union wages and the wages are good, the spending is in the community, and you've got pulp and paper sector starting to shut down, and I'm hearing from the industry, more to come. More to come. That is not good. What does the government say about this? Well, you know, the government, and I asked them, uh, are you aware of the problems and what are you doing about it? So there's, a, there's two, the, the big problem for the pulp and paper sector is lack of fiber to feed the mills. So pulp and paper mills use sawdust, wood chips, and waste wood. That's mainly what they dump into the machinery and produce paper with and pulp with. Uh, There is a shortage of fiber in British Columbia, and it's getting worse. Now, two of the reasons for that the government can't do much about. One is wildfires, and the other is the pine beetle infestation. They ate a whole bunch of trees. Those trees are increasingly inoperable, so they can't do anything about that. The third one is regulations and access to the wood. So it may surprise the listener that a lot of the wood waste in B.C. forests is still piled up and burned. Burned, Uh, really? That's That's what they mean by they say waste. And the industry is saying, hey, we can use this stuff, but you've got to make it, uh, you've got to change the regulations, first of all, so that it's worth our trouble going into the bush, paying somebody to go into the bush and drag all that wood out, and not just drag it out and burn it. So the government, as I said, I asked them for, you know, you're aware of this problem. They are. Uh, the forest minister, Katrina Conroy, is from a, a riding in British Columbia in the interior that knows the industry well. And she's often on the defensive against the environmentalists uh, for old growth strategy. But on this one, she says, yes, we're aware. And yes, we're working at it. I think you could get a pretty good argument going, Simi, about whether or not the government is acting quickly enough to change the regulations and to provide economic incentives to the industry to, as I say, go get the wood, drag it out and turn it into pulp. So that's where it goes. Um, I, I'm inclined to give the government the benefit of the doubt uh, to some degree because I think they are aware of the problem and they're trying, but... Government moves slowly, and in the forest sector now, the obligations under environmental regulation and to consult affected indigenous relations makes it uh, a very slow process. Simi, they also have to be very careful about trade actions uh, from the United States and elsewhere. So in the meantime, uh, this, I'm told, is not the first of the mill closures we're going to see. There's probably more to come. So what is the B.C. government doing then? Well, uh, the main one is to change the regulations and the incentives around 
uh, the use of wood waste. So uh, there's a there's a whole list of uh, fairly complicated regulations. But what uh, what Conroy says is they are moving to make sure that all the incentives run in the direction of hauling wood waste and even logs that are unsuitable for anything other than pulp mills, uh, sawmills, wood chips, to haul all that out and feed it into paper mills. But, you know, the industry's complicated, Simi, and if the sawmills are closing down, of course, and they're closing down, we're starting to see that because prices are down in the United States. The housing market is starting to crash down there. It means they're not buying as much lumber. And the, the, if the sawmills close, well, they're one of the major sources of chips and sawdust. So that isn't going to be happening. So it's going to take a while. It's a serious problem. And I don't need to tell you, Simi, that, you know, a mill closure that's coming in December is going to make some right. very unhappy families in those communities come Christmas. It certainly is. And also, when you look at what's happening in the States, it's frustrating, too, because they seem to be doing very well in terms of the lumber industry down there. Uh, yeah, I mean, their industry uh, uses its political clout to protect itself against our industry uh, to drive up the price of lumber from Canada to slap tariffs on it. And look, our companies here have been putting their investment dollars in the United States and elsewhere. I mean, the companies here uh, try to work with the provincial government, look for relief, look for the government to to reduce some of the big operating costs here. But they're also um, voting with their bank books. Uh, I see one just recently uh, Interfor just spent $325 million to buy Chaleur Forest products in New Brunswick. So they're, gonna, they're buying production facilities there. Last year, BC companies, uh, Simi, spent billions buying production elsewhere, hmm. southern U.S., eastern Canada, Europe, and that is because British Columbia is one of the most expensive places in the world to operate. And the company, the government wants the companies to invest here, obviously, and invest in value-added production. But when you look what the companies are actually doing with their dollars, they're putting them somewhere else. So that is, is that clear then that there's just not enough incentive for those companies to do that? Yeah, and, uh, you know, you say incentive. If the government were to say it's operating, it's offering incentives for production in British Columbia, they have to be extremely careful because that sound you hear in the distance is the U.S. Summer, southern lumber producers opening another file and another court case alleging that British Columbia subsidizes its forest companies. So one of the reasons the companies go, you know, if we buy production facilities in Alabama, as they do, or East Texas or other places, uh, we get on the other side of the tariff wall, and we can make money doing it because our companies know what they're doing. So, you know, it's a a complicated world out there. I don't downplay it. I, I do think, Simi, one of the big changes, though, is that, and you referred to this earlier, the industry itself does not have the political clout it used to in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. And part of that is because a lot of those towns in the interior and in the north that had a forest industry, they used to elect New Democrats. Now they elect B.C. liberals, partly because there used to be a very large unionized uh, workforce and a local for the IWA in some of those communities. And that uh, 
union local is either greatly diminished or doesn't exist at all. Okay. Has this come up in the NDP leadership race at all? Yes, it has, actually. (laughs) We're talking about all these efforts to get people to join the NDP and vote for a leadership candidate. And up to now, the story has been about environmental activists. But our friend uh, Richard Zussman of Global got his hands on a letter uh, from the Steelworkers Union, which is the union that absorbed the IWA. And the Steelworkers Union are saying to its members, hey, join the NDP. We know you're not entirely happy with what they've been doing, but join the NDP and vote for David Eby because Anjali Apadurai is totally opposed to logging and she'll make things worse. So the Steelworkers have picked up on this as well. I don't know if that letter will be under investigation, but it just tells you uh, that these issues, yes, Simi, are spilling over into the NDP leadership race. Isn't that interesting, though, because those are both, both of them seemingly, you know, there's a contradiction there, but they're both traditional constituencies of the NDP. There is. I mean, the party uh, for the longest time, uh, you know, has had a, a, a foot in the environmental camp and a foot in the unionized forest workers camp. And over the years, it has struggled to find a balance point in the trade-offs between the two. Uh, they've succeeded at times. It's getting harder and harder to do that because uh, of the the very strong environmental sentiment against old growth logging. And I see the environmentalists have recently taken aim at the wood pellet industry. So the wood pellet industry uses old growth, not old growth, waste wood as well. And they create wood pellets and they sell them to the Europeans, the British, the Japanese to run um, generating facilities for electricity and replace, hopefully, coal. So uh, Sonia, first to know the Greens was up in the House the other day accusing uh, Katrina Conroy, the forest minister, that the industry is, the wood pellet industry is actually not using just waste wood. They're actually using proper wood that should be used for something else. So that industry is under attack as well. So much going on. All right, Ron, thank you. Bye-bye.